We're going to go ahead and get started. I'd like to begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 11, 21 through 29. Um, let's take a minute to pray together. Lord, it's in the middle of the day, and some of us are breaking our routines. So it's, uh, just to find some time to join with others to look at your word. And I pray as we take this time, it will be used well by us individually and that I can use it also well as one who is to, to share uh, the thoughts that come from this passage of scripture. Uh, speak clearly to us, allow us to hear what you wanna to say to each and every one of us individually and collectively as your church. But may we be mindful, Lord, that your word is precious, it's sacred, it's life-changing, it is to shape us in the likeness of Christ. And that's our objective this afternoon, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to look at, as I mentioned, 2 Corinthians uh, 11, verses 21 through 29. I'm going to read that passage of scripture, and then we're just going to kind of walk through it, walk through it together. Um. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offsprings of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I have received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, and a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles. Danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, and in hunger and thirst, and often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak. Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant. Today's passage is a continuation of what Pastor Matt proposed yesterday. The possibility of this being one of the most sarcastic passages of Scripture we will ever read. Paul is to address the concern over the, the Corinthian church following the persuasive, slick tongue, false self-claiming apostles, choosing to challenge their boasts, boastings in a manner that seems to at least be impressive to the Corinthians. Paul writes in verse 21, to my shame or to my regret, I must say we were too weak for that. It was something he didn't want to do and yet he finds himself that he has to do it. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. So the sarcastic challenge is set before the church 
for them to weigh the real heart of a minister, not the one that hurts you, but the one that is willing and has even hurt for you. All against his own will, Paul is forced to produce his credentials as an apostle. He feels that the whole thing is folly. And when it comes to comparing himself with other people, it seems to him like madness. Nevertheless, not for his own sake, but for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the church, for the message that he preaches, he feels that it has to be done. So Paul begins, again, setting before the church his credentials. As the super apostles have already, uh, super apostles have already done that, boasting of their credentials, Paul needs to prove his own and uses in many, in many ways the same references that these, these apostles have used in his absence. He says, are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offsprings of Abraham? So am I. Paul is laying before them where he has come from. He is a Hebrew. He, has, he is a Hebrew in the strictest sense. He understands the, the Aramaic language. He, he understands all that makes up a Hebrew. He is not a Hellenist. He is not a Grecian Jew. He is not a proselyte. He is an Israelite. Um, he, he is one who is from and loves the Jewish nation. He is an offspring of Abraham. He is a Jew by birth. His own tribe was the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, this is supported by another writing that Paul um, set before the church in Philippi. And he writes these words in Philippians 3, verses 4 and 5. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in flesh, I have more. Circumcised at the eighth day on, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. It may seem strange that Paul should have to go through this exercise somehow to, to make this kind of statement, but being born in Tarsus, the capital city of one of the Roman provinces, and therefore him also being a Roman citizen, this may have been in Paul's mind that he had to address this in the manner that it would silence some of those whispering innuendos, some of those uh, elements of gossip as to somehow raise question as to really who is this man and where is he from. So Paul goes on in order to compare his own ministry with that to the ministry of the false apostles. Paul has to speak about himself, which inevitably seems to him like foolish boasting. He continues in verse 23. And they, servants of Christ, I am a better one. I am talking like a madman, far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes, that's one. Three times I was beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day, and I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from river, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, 
danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false, false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. I, I don't know how many times I've read through that list, and it, it's unimaginable for me to, to think that there is a man who could experience these kinds of hardships, these abuses, these life-threatening encounters, and remain, remain committed to his mission. But it was more than a mission. Paul was committed to Christ. Paul was committed to the church. Paul was committed to the message of the gospel. Paul was committed to the people who, who the Lord has set before him to introduce to the life-saving message of the gospel. Later in, in this letter that Paul has written for us to read today, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 10, he says it another way. He says this, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As I've wrestled with this passage, I found for myself at least what I believe are three particular purposes that Paul may have taken this approach. The one I think, the first one I think is most obvious, and he himself even, even mentions. It is required of Paul to address these false apostles, these self-serving, abusive, counterfeit, uh, faith-practicing, self-promoting uh, themselves at the expense and the abuse of the people in the church. Paul has to, to single them out, and, and Paul has to demonstrate the, not just the, the falseness uh, of their, of their uh, ministry or their roles as an apostle, but the devastating damage it's doing to the church itself. The other piece, another one of the pieces I think that uh, we can kind of latch on to as we look at this text is that to express the depth of his love for the Corinthians, and not, not just for the Corinthian believers, but for all the churches, he, he has this burden, he has this concern for their well-being. We see that in verse 28 when he says, and apart from other things, and what he's referring to is that whole list of those, those matters in life that he had to endure, had to suffer through, uh, calamities that came upon him. Apart from those things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. This man is carrying the burden of concern for the people who have come into the body of Christ, not one church, but the churches collectively. And the third piece it really is and a demonstration, once again, of a man who is bearing his testimony, not to single himself out of what he has accomplished or what has been done through him, but to the glory of God who has enabled him to do what has been done and has, has been his protector, has been his provider, has been the one who has set before him the, the message and the means in which to deliver. Paul is pointing everything to what God has done in his life. Then we come to verse 29, which is an interesting verse and in kind of some ways is serving as a bridge to continue this discussion that we will see carries over even to the next chapter. He says, who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made 
to fall, and, and I am not indignant. What Paul is saying here, I'm affected by your weakness. Because of your distress, I'm distressed. I feel what you feel. I take on your burdens as my own burdens. And then he makes a profound statement concerning those who, who have come against the church for their own gain. He says, I am indignant toward those ones who have been the cause of your fall or your drifting away. That word indignant actually transfer, uh, translates in the original language, burn with fire. He is hot mad about these people who have, at the expense of the believers within the Corinthian church, taken so much for themselves and to really the harm of the church. It, 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 it's difficult for me to kind of land on a conclusion because what we're dealing with is really part one, which Matt introduced yesterday, and then part two, which I'm sharing with you today, and even carries over tomorrow by just looking at the beginning of um, uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, I must go on boasting. Um, this is something that is really requiring major attention on, on the apostles' part. So where do we land? Where do we end up with this passage? What do we do with it? I can only suggest that we look back again to something that a pastor shared with us yesterday. And that is, again, the contrast between the one who has the heart of the church uh, in mind, who, who, who has a, a love for the body of Christ, who has a sense of obligation and passion to care for the people who make up the church. And that's, that's who Paul is. That's what he's all about. And so I land on two verses that I think, again, reminds us of what the role of the pastor or the role of anyone who is in ministry, uh, of what is required of us. Jesus says of himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It's exactly what Paul was doing, laying down his life for those who were entrusted to his care. That's re what's required of one who is in ministry. That's what's required of you and me. Let me, let me just accent that a bit by using the very words of Jesus himself as he is speaking to his disciples in the upper room just hours before. What does he do? Laying down his life for his sheep, laying down his life for his friends. Jesus says this, John 15, 12 to 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than someone lay down their life for their friends. That's what Jesus did. That's what Paul was willing to do. And I truly believe that's what's required of each and one of us who have chosen to engage ourselves in the ministry of the church, caring for one another as members of the flock, willing to lay our life down first for Christ and his church and for one another. Now, that can, that can play out to simply be uh, making some sacrifices that uh, might be a bit challenging, but not life-threatening. Uh, going the extra mile to help somebody. Uh, making an extra gift to, to, to encourage uh, benevolence and, and, and helping a person in crisis. Or, or even putting ourselves at risk, which may result into harm. Or 
possibly even finding ourselves where we would be tested with martyrdom. I don't know what the extremes are going to be asked of any of us, but for the cause of Christ, for the love of his church, for the love of Jesus, we are required to give of ourselves first to Jesus and to one another. I hope that this, uh, in some ways, at least can serve as a bridge as, as we'll continue with this boasting that is so much required of Paul, even though he finds it foolishness.